We're going to dive into the Word of God um, this morning. And uh, we know if you've been around, you'll know that we have been in this series, in these uh, thoughts surrounding uh, this theme of Kairos. And Kairos has been um, so much in our vocabulary and in our thinking over the last uh, few weeks and months. And if you were here um, last week, I said something along the lines of the fact that we were going to wrap up our thoughts uh, on Kairos. Not that we were packing it away because Kairos is going to remain central um, to our vision and to our thinking and to everything that we're about over this coming year. Um, but in the sense that that was uh, the last message that we were going to share on it. And yet this week, is, uh, we just began to prepare. We felt really that God still had more. And God still had more that he wanted to do um, through this thought of Kairos. And so we always want to remain flexible um, to putting God's agenda before our own plans. And so uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to be in these thoughts um, on Kairos because we feel that we're in a moment where God wants to combine all that we've looked at so far this year. In, the, in January, we spoke a lot about encounter. If you were around in January, you remember that we spoke many messages and many thoughts and we prayed uh, down the theme of encounter. And obviously, we've been in these thoughts of Kairos, which speaks about a favorable moment for decision or action. It's the now moment. It's the God moment. And we truly believe that God is bringing those two aspects together, encounter and Kairos. That from an encounter, Kairos moments will begin and are beginning to break out all over the place. What do I mean by that? Well, we believe that we're in a moment of acceleration. And that what should take normally ages to come about is beginning to happen supernaturally in a very quick way. We looked at Nehemiah early on in this series, you may remember, and what we didn't really highlight was the fact that for 70 years they'd been trying to rebuild those walls. And for 70 years, nothing had been happening. And yet in 52 days, as we spoke about, Nehemiah came and he rebuilt those walls supernaturally by the grace of God in 52 days. We are believing over family church and over your lives. And I want to prophetically declare this today, that over our lives, what we have been waiting for ages to come to pass in this Kairos season is going to take place suddenly. We're believing for a whole load of and suddenly moments. When you read through the Bible, you see that this happened, and suddenly. We talked about one last week, the day of Pentecost. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit came upon his church. We're believing that, that what you have been, people that you've been praying for for years, we believe in this chiral season, are going to be saved. We believe prodigals that you've been crying out to God for, for months, for years, for decades even, some of you, are going to come home, not necessarily to this house, but to the house of God and to relationship with God. We're, we're believing that what doctors said would take months and years to recover from, that in this Kairos season, through the grace of God, He is going to bring supernatural acceleration to your healing. I've seen Him do it in my life. We're believing that for every single person who is in a place where you find yourself in crippling debt right now and finances just loom over you large every morning when you wake up. In fact, maybe you didn't get to the morning of waking up. You wake up in the night sweating and worrying about financial situations in your life. We're believing that through wisdom but also the supernatural grace of God that debts are going to be cancelled and paid off supernaturally quick in this season. Things that you have been waiting for promises that you've been waiting upon are going to come to pass. Now this isn't just positive thinking, this isn't 
hype. This isn't mental ascent. This is about knowing that when God orchestrates a Kairos moment, it doesn't matter how much Kronos has passed. It doesn't matter how desperate it looks. It doesn't matter how many years you've been waiting for something to come to pass. If you've been waiting for something, let me say this to you, that this season, this time of Kairos, is a time to start believing again for what may have drifted away in terms of your hope. And that's what I want to speak into today. Now, for those who were very observant this morning, you may have noticed that on this stage is this little visual prop that I want to use this morning to help some of you who are more visual learners make this come alive a little bit more, what I want to say to you verbally today. And on here, we've got this, this little filing cabinet. And this filing cabinet, I want today to represent you, to represent your life. Now, on the outside, it all appears to be fine. It's functioning. It's in a place where it's existing. And for many of us, we're in that place where we're okay. On the outside, everybody seems to think we're doing okay. You may even decorate this and make it look even better. And we pull on the smile and everything seems to be okay. We're functioning. We're existing. But I want us to see today that so often, even though on the outside, everything may seem to be okay, within us, we are carrying the weight of situations and needs in our life. So often what we do is we just try and to, to lock them away and keep everything within us. But what I believe God wants to do in this Kairos season is through his Holy Spirit to, to open up our lives and begin to deal with some of the things that we are carrying in our life week after week after week. See, see in our lives, we have stuff that we've labeled. We have stuff that we've almost written off. There's situations and needs in your life that you have within you labeled as one thing or another. That there's situations in your life that you've labeled as hopeless. And you look at them and you stare at them in the face day in, day out, and they, they just feel so incredibly hopeless. For other people, there's situations that you've labeled as impossible. You look at these needs, you look at these situations and, and these relationships, whatever it might be, and, and they feel impossible. And yet for other people, there's even things in your life that you would label as dead. It's over. It's not even impossible. It's over. It's finished with. It's dead. And I want to speak into that thought today because as I said what we so often do is is we shut it all away and we get on with life and everything seems okay on the outside but within us we are carrying these things so we may go to work we may come to church we may raise a family but inside we are carrying the weight and the pain of stuff that we have written off and labeled in our life now here's where we can end up in that place in our need we can end up thinking that everybody else has forgotten about us that nobody sees what we are journeying through, often because we lock it all within. We think that no one cares, nobody sees. And actually, sometimes we bring God into that equation as well. God, I've prayed and nothing's changed. God, I've fasted like you said in your word and there hasn't been any breakthrough. I've done everything that everybody has told me to do and yet I'm still in that same situation. Nobody sees me. Now here's what I want you leaving this place knowing for sure within you today. God sees. God sees. And he has set a time for change, a kairos time. 
not to be measured by the ticking of a clock or the flickering of a calendar, but he has set in place a time, a kairos time. And in the season that we're in, we're believing that this season is going to be a time where we're going to see miracles, where we're going to see acceleration, where we're going to see suddenly moments happening all over the place. Do we believe that this morning? He is the God who sees. Now in Genesis chapter 16, we read of this account of a lady named Hagar. And if you don't know the, the storyline, Hagar steps into the narrative when Abraham and Sarai, they haven't had their names changed yet to Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarai are, are waiting on God's promise. God has said, you're going to have a child. And Abraham, Abraham and Sarai are looking and thinking, well, it hasn't come to pass yet. And so Sarai says, well, why don't you sleep with my servant girl, Hagar, and then we can have a child that way. Abraham says, okay, Hagar gets pregnant. There's a falling out between Hagar and Sarai, and Hagar runs away. She's treated so badly by Sarai, but she, she runs away, and she's in this place of thinking, well, nobody sees. She's in this place of hurt. She's in this place of feeling overlooked, forgotten about. And sometimes we can end up in that place too, where we feel forgotten by people, but also by God. Sometimes we can end up in a place where we think, God, I've prayed, do you even see? And the response is, yes. He sees. Because he comes to Hagar in this moment. And we can overlook this, but I believe it's significant in the context of what we're saying today. Abraham and Sarai, if you read through the passage of Genesis chapter 16, have been referring to Hagar as my slave, your slave. She's not even named. And yet the first thing that God says when he meets Hagar at the well is Hagar. He names her. Because he sees and he knows. And the narrative continues between God and Hagar till we get to verse 13 of Genesis chapter 16. And it says, Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, You are the God who sees me. El Roy. You are El Roy. One of the names for God. You are the God who sees. And in this Kairos season, we're believing that the God who sees and the God who knows is about to step into situations. And so my role today is not to create hype, it's to stir faith. My role is to equip you and to encourage you to be in faith so that, as we said last week, we would not be found missing out on this Kairos moment that God is bringing about in our lives and in our church. And the Bible, God's Word to us, is full of examples that we could look at this morning of moments where an encounter with a living God collided with a Kairos moment that God had set in His agenda in such a way that situations changed and lives were never the same again. So I want to just look at a couple of those today, then we're going to pray, and then we're going to head out of here. And I believe that over the coming weeks and months, there's going to be testimony, and we're already hearing them across the congregations, testimony after testimony of people whose lives are being changed by this Kairos moment in God-glorifying ways. So back to our lives. As I said, there are situations, maybe in your life right now, that you have labeled is hopeless. Hopeless situations. Maybe it's, it's an addiction that you can't seem to be set free from. You're desperate, but there doesn't seem to be any hope. Maybe it's a debt, as we said earlier, that just feels crippling and overwhelming. You don't know how you're going to get your head above water in this season of debt. Maybe it's unemployment. 
at a time where every job that you're applying for seems to be turning you down. Maybe it's a, a, a heaviness or a depression that's upon you and it's such a mighty weight you can't seem to get it to lift off your life. It feels so incredibly hopeless. And in John chapter 5, we read of a man who felt absolutely hopeless. This man had been ill and infirm for over 38 years. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of Kronos that's passed by. And we locate him, the Bible locates him by the pool of Bethesda. And legend had it that if you were in the right place at the right time, you could get healed. And so this was a place where loads of people went to get their healing. And in this situation, if you were in the water at the right time, legend had it that you would be healed. Now, we're not told if he's been going there for 38 years, but from the interaction that we read that he has between him and Jesus, we know that this wasn't the first time. And so we can imagine, and some of you will remember, we spoke about this and preached on this a couple of years ago. We can imagine what it would have been like for him the first day that he went to the pool of Bethesda, full of hope saying to his friends, this is going to be the day that I get my healing. This is going to be the day that I get my breakthrough. This is going to be the day where, where hope returns to my life. And that day passes and no healing. And he goes home and one day turns into another and into another and into another. And here we are and it feels so hopeless. He's in the right place. He's in the place where miracles take place. But he feels so hopeless. And after 38 years that have passed, as the Bible rightly says, hope defers, makes the heart sick. And he's in a place where his heart is sick. He feels hopeless. And yet in John chapter 5, verse 6, there's an encounter with Jesus that takes place in a Kairos moment. All that Kronos has passed, 38 years of the ticking of a clock. But in a Kairos moment, uh, an encounter takes place that changes everything. Verse 6, John 5, it says, When Jesus saw him. There's that thought again. El Roy, he's the God who sees. Listen, Jesus sees your situation today when, when nobody else maybe even knows about it apart from you and the prayers that you've prayed. Jesus sees your situation and so it says Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he'd already been in that condition for a long time so he said to him, do you want to be made well? Simple question, Jesus asked him about his level of desire. Do you want to be made well? And as we've said before, he doesn't respond with yes. He begins to list excuses why he can't. It says, verse 7, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So Jesus says, do you want to be made well? And the guy says, I, I can't. It's hopeless. He's just filed it away in his life for something that is completely and utterly hopeless. I can't. Somebody always gets there ahead of me. Every time the water stirs, somebody... See, he's looking at the natural for the healing. He feels so hopeless, but he hadn't accounted for the fact that one encounter with Jesus in a Kairos moment could radically transform everything about the situation. But I want you to see... This Kairos moment didn't come because of something, it came because of someone. It didn't come because of the waters, it came because of the person of Jesus Christ. And Jesus looks at this man and he ignores the words of hopelessness and he says this in verse 8, Stand up, pick up your mat and walk. And instantly, 38 years of hopelessness, 38 years of pain come to an end. 
because an encounter with a living God collided with a Kairos moment that God had set in his agenda. And in one moment, hope is restored where 38 years had failed. So I don't know what you've labeled in your life today as hopeless. I don't know what part of your life is void of hope, but I do believe that in this Kairos season, it's time to start believing again, knowing that our God is faithful. There's, there's other areas in your life that you filed away and you've labeled as impossible. It's just not possible that this situation can change certain health conditions that seem incurable. Maybe it's a son or a daughter that seems so far away from God or a spouse or a friend that seems so far away from God right now that you don't have any clue how they could ever be saved or be restored back into relationship with God. Maybe it's a wound that is so raw and so deep and so painful that you're not sure you could ever end up in a place of restoration where you can sense the joy of God in your life again. You've just labeled the whole thing and written it off as impossible. And there's another account that we can read of in the Gospels, this time of a woman, who many of you will know the account. For 12 years, she's had this illness. For 12 years, she's had this, what the Bible records as an, as an issue of blood. Kronos time has been passing, and weeks have passed, and months have passed, and years have passed. And here she is, over a decade of having this condition. And the Bible says, as if that wasn't bad enough, to make it even worse, she's flat broke. Because she spent all the money that she had on trying to find a cure from doctors, yet in all of her spending, things didn't get better, they got worse. How impossible can this situation get? And yet that day an encounter took place that set her free and changed her life. Now the truth is, she shouldn't have even been there that day. Because as some of you know, the law stated that if she was found in that place, in her condition, then she would be stoned to death. But for whatever reason, she just knew she had to be there. She knew, she sensed this was a Kairos moment. I, I don't know, maybe she'd heard about Jesus who was passing through her town. Maybe she'd heard about what he'd done in other villages and, and news had spread and somebody had said, maybe this is your chance. I don't know. I, I don't know whether she just saw the crowds that were gathering and thought there must be something special about this man. But for whatever reason, and she knew she had to get to him. She knew she had to touch the hem of his garment. And the Bible shows us in verse 28 of Mark 5 why she did it. It says, For she thought to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Verse 29 continues, Immediately. There it is again. Immediately. Listen. When it's a Kairos season, things that took 12 years change in an instance. I, I, I want you to start believing again, not based on hype, but based on the knowledge of who God is and the Kairos season that we're in. That things that have been taken in age, I'm believing, are going to begin to happen in suddenly moments. So the Bible says immediately the bleeding stopped. And she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. I believe that 
because of God's grace. Some of you today who are in painful situations that you've labeled and written off as impossible, you're going to hear heaven speaking over your life, over this Kairos season. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. That may be in your body, that may be relationally, that may be in circumstances around your life, but I believe heaven is speaking that, and I want to prophesy over your life situations that have been so incredibly painful. Heaven is speaking, go in peace. Your suffering is over because you are in a Kairos moment. He makes the impossible possible. And then there's other areas in your life where you may have labeled them as, as dead. It's a pretty drastic label. It's a pretty drastic description. And yet if we're true, it's what some of you have placed upon certain aspects of your life. For some of you, perhaps it's a dream. A God dream that we spoke of last week. A, a God word that was spoken over you. And yet it just seems dead. Over. Incapable of ever being revive maybe it's a, a relationship that for whatever reason is broken down so badly that it's so fractured and destroyed that you're not sure how it could ever come back to life for some of you let me say this some of you you would even label your faith as dead now that seems strange to say to a room full of people who are sat in a church service but I've been pastoring people long enough to know that you can be sat in a church service and you can even be singing the songs and saying the lyrics and listening to the word and yet your heart has long stopped believing in faith of what God is going to do and let me say this it's not long very often before your actions eventually catch up with what your true beliefs are declaring what is it that you've labeled in your life as dead because there's somebody else that's involved in the passage that we just read. Somebody else, and actually the woman with the issue of blood, actually steps into and intrudes and steps upon his storyline and his narrative. This man was called Jairus. And Jairus, we read of this moment where Jesus is coming back onto land from having been out on the boat, and he comes in and Jairus goes to him, and he begs him for mercy because he has a little girl who's dying. He says, I need you to come to my house. And so Jesus responds, and they're on their way to Jairus' house. And as they're on their way, that's the moment when the woman reaches out and touches the hem of his garment. That's the moment when the woman gets her breakthrough. And it's miraculous, and it's amazing. And Jesus has this moment where he teaches the crowd and speaks to the woman. And all of them are gathered around. All of them are looking at the situation. It's a great Kairos moment, but not for Jairus. Because Jairus is seeing somebody else get their breakthrough, but not him. Jairus is saying, oh, isn't it great that this is a great testimony, but what about my testimony? What about what I deserve in this moment? And as he's waiting in this moment, messengers come from the home. And this is what it says in Mark 5, verse 35. It says, while he was still speaking to her, while Jesus was still speaking to the woman who had her miraculous healing, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. They told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Imagine the kick to the stomach that must have felt like. Imagine the heartbreak. Imagine the crushing feeling in his life. Imagine the, the probable frustration and annoyance that Jairus had 
with this woman because if she hadn't interfered, if she hadn't come across, and it's great you got your miracle, but if she hadn't stepped in, then maybe they could have got there in time, but it's over. It's too late. It's finished with, and see, sometimes situations and other people, maybe even your fears, will tell you there is no hope. It's over. It's time to give up. And his messengers say, leave Jesus alone. It's finished. But you see, they hadn't accounted for a Kairos moment. They didn't factor in that, that Jesus, who overheard everything that was being said in that moment, is a living king who brings dead things back to life again. Amen? And so in verse 36, it states this, But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid. Just have faith. You see, when Jesus is involved, it's not yet over. When he says it's not over yet, it's not yet over. And in this Kairos moment, it's our choice. In this Kairos season that we find ourselves in, it's our choice. Uh oh, are we going to listen to circumstances and people and maybe our own emotions and our fears that try to convince us that a situation is dead, that it's over, that there's no point just to give on up? Or are we going to listen to the voice of Jesus who says, Don't be afraid. Just believe. And so they walked to the house of Jairus. And the Bible records that the crowd there are, are mocking Jesus. They're laughing. You read it yourself. They're laughing because Jesus dared to suggest that this situation could still turn around. And so verse 41 of Mark chapter 5, they've gone up to the little girl's room and it says, holding her hand, Jesus said to her, Talita quum which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old, the same amount of time that this woman had been bleeding for, the, the girl who was 12 years old immediately. There's that word again. Immediately. Because when an encounter with Jesus takes place in a Kairos season, things that have taken 12 years change immediately. Immediately, she stood up and walked around, and they were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Let's bring this in, and I'm going to pray for us. Listen, it's great to be inspired this morning by what took place and what's recorded and what's preserved for us in the Gospels, and it's great to look back and say, oh, isn't it amazing what Jesus did? But, but here's the even greater news. That same Jesus is still alive today. Do we believe that this morning? That same Jesus is still alive today. And he's still giving hope to the hopeless. He's still making impossible situations possible. He's still bringing life where there was once death. And, and here's the thing. He can do it for you. He can do it in your situation today. I don't know what you've labeled as hopeless. I don't know what you've labeled as impossible. I don't know what you've labeled as dead, finished with, over. But that Jesus can do it for you. And here's the other bit of news we need to do to understand. He can do it through you today as well. Not only can he do it for you, but he can also do it through you today. See, see I've said there are situations in our own lives we've labeled as hopeless, as impossible, as dead, as finished with, as over. And in a Kairos season... And a Kairos moment, an encounter with a living Jesus can transform those things in an instance. And I'm believing that for my life, 
I'm believing that for your life over the coming weeks. And yet alongside that, we've also got to recognize and remember all that we've been saying over the last few weeks and speaking into this series that Jesus has positioned his church, you and I, in this area for such a time as this, that he's a God of purpose, amen, who is intentional towards our lives individually and as a church. And the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us to bring good news to those who are spiritually poor. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us, you and I, the church of Jesus Christ, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And he has placed us in this community for such a time as this. He has placed us in this community of Lee Park. He has put us in this town of Haven for such a time as this. And he has called us in this Kairos season to bring hope. He has called us in this Kairos season to bring life. He has called us to, to go to people and show them that we serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. And He's called you individually to go into your individual world, your individual neighborhoods, your individual workplaces, your individual families, and show the people the same. But in this Kairos season, in this Kairos moment, come on, that we would see the sick healed. Not just for a moment. But we would hear the, uh, see the sick healed in such a way that we would hear heaven speak over their lives. Your suffering is over. Come on, that's what I'm believing for. Anybody else believing for that? But in this Kairos season, we would begin to see that. In this Kairos season, we would begin to see radical salvations. But where newspapers have said this person is like this and this is the area and this is what it looks like, we would begin to see radical salvations in our workplaces, in this community, that we would see people walking past on a Sunday morning and, and a smile from the hosting team would cause them to come inside and be on their knees at the feet of Jesus. Come on, let's believe for radical salvations because we're in a Kairos season and if not now, then when are we waiting for and believing for these things to come to pass that we would see a crowd of prodigals return? I know that there are people in this room and I've prayed with you and I've stood with you and I know that you have friends and you have family members and you have grandchildren and children and you've got spouses that you are believing for and you are praying for and you're saying, heaven, when will they return? Come on, let's believe that in this Kairos season we are going to see people return. Come on, I want to restore faith within you this morning. Not hype, not mental ascent, not positive, but faith in knowing that our God is faithful and He is true to His Word and heaven and earth may pass away but his word will endure forever. This is a time that we would see drug addicts set free. Not momentarily to revert back to where they once were. Not for a season to only find out later on that they've left rehab and gone home and it's all started over again. That we would see drug addicts set free and never return back to the needle. Never return back to the pill. That we would see alcoholics walk free from their addictions and, and sex addicts walk free from their addictions. And every single person who's caught up in the bondage of addiction that they would be walking in the freedom that Jesus Christ has purchased for them upon the cross. That who the Son sets free is free indeed. That we would see marriages restored. And I'm not just talking about people who are heading for divorce courts 
that they would come back into relationship. I'm talking about marriages that are just going through the motions. I'm talking about marriages, maybe some of you who come to church and yet you're just coexisting, you're cohabiting. I'm believing that in this Kairos season, your love for one another would grow deeper than ever before, that your friendship would be more real than ever before, that your household would glorify God and your children and your children's children will glorify and do mighty exploits for their God. I'm believing that in this Kairos season, we would see teenagers put down knives and pick up Bibles. You know, we get emails as part of what we do and the police as, a, as part of this community send us things of what they're doing. And you may have seen, you may be aware that in this time, there's, there's things that are happening and the police are doing things where they're, they're trying to bring down knife crime. And that's all well and good and that's, that's brilliant. And I applaud that. But as I get those emails, my response every time is Jesus. Yeah, you can come up with a great policy. You can come up with a great thing and hopefully it will work and we're we're right behind you. But what these young people need is Jesus. What these young people need is an encounter with the Holy Spirit so that so radically transforms them. And we're not playing church in this season. We're, we're believing. These are things that we're praying for. These are things that we're contending for. These are things that we're, we're visually seeing. God, may your kingdom come in such a way that these things will be taking place. That we would see teenagers put down knives and pick up Bibles. What is it that you are desperate to see? Without vision, things perish, the Bible said. And we spoke about that the other week. It's not your vision, a God vision, a God dream. Without that, things will perish. What is it that we're desperate to see? You know, this week we started our drop-in cafe and it's almost like a soft launch, wasn't it, Alison? And people came in and even just at the beginning, those people who are walking in, who have been isolated, disconnected. Come on, let's believe for them that in whatever stage of life they're at, that we would see salvations, that we would see restoration amongst them as well. What is it that we are desperate to see? Because this is a Kairos moment. And if we're not believing now, when will we ever believe? Let's Let's just pray in this moment. I just want to speak hope to the hopeless today. Hope to the hopeless there are situations in your life that you have written off and labelled as hopeless as impossible as dead and I'm challenged and I know what it is in my life that God is speaking to me about as I even prepared for this message you prepare your heart to share to other people and God challenges you and I know in my life there's areas where God is speaking, it's time to have hope again. Come on, it's time to start believing again. But you have things in your life. We have things collectively, I've just spoken about a few of them, that we're believing for as a church. But what about your life? Let's individualize this for a moment. What is it in your life? Who is it in your life? What situation or need or pain or disease is it in your life that you're bringing before God today and saying, God, would you restore my hope today? Because you are a life giver. You are a promise keeper. You are the God who restores hope. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today?
just as George continues to play, I'm just going to leave you to have a moment. Just think on that for a moment. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Spirit this morning is saying it's time to let go of disappointment. It's time to let go of disappointment. And for some of you, that's disappointment with God that what you thought was going to come to pass, what you thought was going to take place, what you thought should have taken place five years ago, whatever it is. People that let you down, people who turn their back on you when you thought that God had it covered. Leave God saying through His Holy Spirit, it's time to let go of disappointment in order that He can flood your life with hope this morning. You see, disappointment can so often blind us, can blinker us to what God is wanting and trying to do. And we carry the weight and that burden of that disappointment and as I said earlier, on the outside, it may seem like everything's great, but I believe one of the things that people are carrying within them, the pain that people are carrying within them, is that pain of disappointment. And the truth is that you can go through life and avoid having conversations with God when actually the best thing that you can do is have those conversations with God. Because when you have those conversations with God, you read through the Psalms, you read some of what Moses said. They were real. They were people who came before God and said, God, I am disappointed. God, I don't get this. But they always ended up in a place because of what happens in an encounter with God in prayer. They always end up in the place where they said, but God, I know that you are faithful. And God, I know that you are true. And God, I know that you are not a man that you would lie. But all of your promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And these are things that we can know and memorize. But I pray that they would be truth in the very depths of who you are today. But just like the rite of lamentations, you would be able to leave this venue this morning saying, this has happened and disappointment came. And yet I still dare to hope because the faithful love of the Lord endures forever and his mercies are new every morning. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for time and your word. I thank you for the opportunity to gather together as church today and Lord, I thank you in advance for the testimonies, for the miracles that we are going to receive and see, Lord. Father, thank you that these things that we've spoken about today aren't just in a dreamland somewhere out there that uh, seems so untouchable. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you will bring these to pass in our lives and in our community and in our church. Lord, I thank you that in the meantime, you restore those who felt so broken. 
You give hope to the hopeless and you cause people to dream again that what was labeled as impossible or dead is possible and can live once again. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, we're going to go into tea or coffee time and I want to encourage you to stick around, get to know some people and things. But if you need prayer, I want to invite you. And again, like we've said before, we can do both at the same time. Grab a coffee, chat, catch up, have a good laugh. But at the same time, if somebody else needs to come forward for ministry and prayer, then we want to have this opportunity for you to come forward and do that. So God bless you. Don't forget we're back here this evening uh, for a time of prayer as we continue to believe God for Kairos moments. Have a great week.